I should have suspected that you were going to have low energy. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Do you want to tell everyone to why you're so low shift. energy? <laughs> I'm not. I just every once in a while I want to throw you a curveball. You literally yawned before we got on. Yeah, that may be. So there's something going on. There's something going on? Yeah. I mean, I don't sleep. Where's your pep? Where's your sleep step? particularly Where's well. your fire? Where's your passion? Wow. I didn't know you were a passion Where's guy. Your <laughs> Where's your unction? I think you should just do what you're only what you're really passionate about. I didn't know you were that guy. Man, we would do like three things in the world <laughs> if we only did what we were passionate about. Um, yeah, it's all good, man. Welcome in to you, to the Welcome audience. Welcome in to the the. We're not sitting in your to we house. Take worship? What? Uh, no, we're not. What's up? What'd you have for lunch today? We're we're doing this post lunch. That's what you're talking about a post lunch hangover. Yeah, you had. I had a heavy. You burger stuffed your and face fries. with a burger and fries. It's and true. Now you're kind of feeling the afternoon slug. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little lethargic now. Your pipes aren't uh, fresh for a, a, a deep uh, weekday worship. I'm yawning again right now, right to the microphone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What'd you have for lunch? I just had Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. Yeah. Scotty got the uh, the new uh, honey. Pepper pimento, Yo, the, cheese, the pimento cheese thing. Yeah. Betsy was telling me about this yesterday. Ah, I didn't even ask him how it was. She hasn't had it yet, but it, it looks risky. It looks like it could be high payoff, but it could you be. Wanna, here, we're gonna. This is, here, you talking to the microphone for a minute? Okay, James is so interested in how this. Uh, hey, Scotty, how is the, the pimento cheese chicken sandwich? We're yelling at cro- Scotty across the office. Oh my gosh, he said he said okay. tasted good. <laughs> well, you All just right, heard we, the door slam too. That wasn't very graceful. <laughs> this is great radio. Uh, the, yeah, he said disappointing was yeah. the word he used. Yeah. He said it tasted pretty good, but not nearly worth the price. Well, I mean, everything's going up there, man. I saw somebody, going up I saw somebody tweet the other day. They said they took their family of five there and it cost them seventy bucks. Did they tweet or did they X? Oh, it's yeah. The new the, the new terminology is X. <laughs> is that what they call it? But like, I'm not calling it that. Is that the adjective form though? Is I guess, Z-ing. I'm sorry. The verb form. <laughs> Zeting. Did they? Did they? Xy. 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 I don't know. Some people don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Twitter. I'm not sure we know what we're talking Twitter about. Twitter changes name to X. Yeah. But uh, do you feel that at Chick Fil A that it's kind of getting a little out of hand? It's sort of like. Oh, uh, at Chick Fil A specifically. Yeah. I feel like the whole freaking thing is out of hand everywhere. <laughs> um, like yeah. where can you go and get? Where can you feed the family? Well. Depends on the size of the family. There's only one place you can feed the, the family for what you're talking about. You know what it is? Cookout. No. Not even cookout. Cookout's gone up in their prices, too. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. Costco. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's it's oh, the last oh, the affordable. food bar. Yeah, 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 food yeah. Bar it's there. the last affordable uh, lunch on the planet for yeah. a family. Wow. Hot dog, dollar fifty. Look, that, that hot dog's been a dollar fifty for like 20 years. That's scary. <laughs> and, and you get a a Pepsi product drink with it, which is you know like mm-hmm. like poo water plus a little churro. Uh, oh, a churro! What, how much does that cost? I don't know. I can't remember what the churro costs. I just got one the other day for Ephraim. Uh, well, actually, we just 
But the thing is, it's like we have a few. We like if we go there and we're getting lunch for everybody. Like a couple of the people like hot dogs and the drink, and then Daniel and Josiah really like the chicken bakes. Man, I, I used to love the chicken bake, the but chicken I ate bake. them too much, and so I, now I don't like them anymore. Chicken bake used to I, be... I overdid it. It's up 25% in its cost. Is it really? Or actually 33%. It went from $3 it's to heavy, $4. Man. Again, the, everything we've just described is terrible for your body. <laughs> it's why you have no pep this, today. Why I have no pep? Yeah. I'm feeling pretty peppy. Yeah, you need, to, you need to get on those shakes. What shakes? Those healthy shakes that I know happen at your house every morning. Oh, those aren't shakes. Those are smoothies. Smoothies, smoothies, smoothies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I have a mother-in-law. You get a little, a little greens, a little vitamins. I have a mother-in-law uh, and a wife who make. Uh, they're putting nutrients into their body. They are. They are. Well, not, you're putting grease. They're not desirable. They could become desirable. Uh, <laughs> yes, if you uh, give in to self-deception. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know how we got off on all that. Uh, well, you were talking about affordable food. Well, you Lunches. you did get a little pep when, no, wanting to know about that pimento cheese chicken sandwich. That was yeah. So Betsy brought that up, and uh, I think on our way to or from Costco the other day, as a matter of fact, mm. she was talking about this new product, the uh, the, the pimento cheese sandwich, mm. which I hadn't heard about. So when you brought it up, I was like, oh, I'm curious how that went. So if you've had it this week, come tell me and James <laughs> your thoughts, or don't. The jury's the jury's not out. Actually, really, take it up with Scotty. Yeah, take it he up says with Scotty. it's disappointing. Yeah, he so says bombard him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on to uh, the things above. The things above. Yeah, that's a verse, right? Not on earthly things. Set yes. your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Yes. Where Christ is seated. Yes. In the heavenly places. Yes. All right, go ahead. He just threw us in. <laughs> Great nice, intro. Nice segue. Nice segue. And for the record, that was you claiming that Chick-fil-A is not heavenly food. Their prices sure aren't kingdom economy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the Sermon on the Mount uh, outlies a $10 chicken sandwich. Mm, Yeah. Worship. (laughs) You're done. (laughs) James is done with the chicken talk. He's done with the food talk. He wants to move on to, uh, to worship. Well, we were trying, we're excited. trying to cut these things down. I'll tell you what I'm excited about is uh, there's something else new coming out. I think this weekend, Equalizer three. No, yeah. no oh, you're starting a whole another six minutes. Wrapping up the trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be good stuff. Okay. Denzel at All his right. best. Go ahead. We'll we'll do another. We'll do a movie episode here in a few. You want to do it? We could do a whole, um, uh, de- like a. a, a what did I just call it? Uh, equalizer. We can do an Equalizer franchise episode. Uh, no. no. I don't think there's enough meat there on that bone. <laughs> <laughs> that dog will hunt. No. Well, I, don't, I just threw out a negative. Negative. It <laughs> came to my mind. Negative. Uh, okay. Well, anyway. Now, now I'm, just I'm over it now. <laughs> I'm over it. I wore him down. Go ahead. You wore me down. Uh, we're talking about worship today. Yeah. A continuation of talking about worship, which is worship is our... What this month? It's our first spiritual practice. First spiritual practice that we've rolled out on our wheel of uh, formation. Uh, yes, you acted like you were going to say something. No, I, I'm good. I'm listening to you. You looked at your watch like I was just. I was seeing what day of August we are. Like making sure that we're still in August because worship was the spiritual practice for August. Yes. Yeah. And it's probably our broadest practice uh, in terms of what kind of fits into that. And we've been trying to follow a format and laying out uh, a vision for 
kind of spiritual formation that we're working with of, of kind of understanding how uh, we're formed holistically, how we're already being formed by culture, and how we can uh, kind of uh, engage in a counterformation according to the scriptures and placed within the, uh, the gospel story. And uh, kind of our, our way to, to put that into practice is to incorporate different spiritual practices that kind of build on each other that are real, tangible attempts to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And with worship being the first one, we it's a little bit broader. So we kind of gave last week a, a uh, well, the week before that, we talked about kind of thinking through the idea of worship and culture, how we're formed, what does worship look like according to culture, that we're worshiping something. Last week we looked at, okay, what is a, what is a gospel-centered uh, or a, a worship according to the Bible? And where it's uh, where it should be placed, and uh, we kind of showed uh, how do we practice that in our corporate worship, in mm-hmm. our Sunday uh, when we gather as a body at generations. What are the ways in which we're engaging in worship, and how do uh, not only the the things we preach, or maybe even the things we sing, more of the content, but actually the 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 steps of the service, the the ordering of our service actually uh, has the motive of worship behind it, or it, it's supposed to, uh, these things are supposed to uh, gear us towards worship in so many ways. So we've been trying to practice what we preach and kind of identifying how it is we're holistically shaped through uh, what we want to see as counterformational practices. And we looked at that in corporate worship last week. Yeah. Today, we want to, again, be more practical in talking through just worship. What does worship look like? For, for us in different spheres outside of the Sunday gathering. How should we think about that? Is there a way to think about that uh, kind of as a whole and then how we apply that to uh, different environments that we find ourselves in, whether that be with our families, with our spouses, with our roommates, with uh, ourselves individually? Uh, what does that look like? So in thinking through this topic, again, I'm trying to think about something that is so broad how, what's where's a where's a summary of how I can think about really all of life as worship or as geared toward uh, the submission to God and an honoring of Him? Um, my where I settled was Deuteronomy six, the Shema. The Shema. Um, Deuteronomy six, very S6 famous passage. My Hebrew. There it is. <laughs> I've exhausted it. <laughs> Sorry. You're, are you pleased? <laughs> no. He's ple- he's pleased with that. I'm laughing because you've actually taken and studied Hebrew yourself and so and and so we can both say the word Shema. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And we've Ooh. exhausted my knowledge of the Hebrew language. So uh-huh. um yeah, Deuteronomy six, uh uh what one to four? Something yeah, so first four it, verses. It, Deuteronomy 6 is a pretty big passage in terms of uh, gearing the Israelites towards kind of a summary of what they're uh, supposed to take in and uh, and kind of orient their life towards, and particularly another generation uh, out of Israel. And there's a very famous uh, kind of summary statement in Deuteronomy 4 through 5 that says this, that uh, all Jewish people, uh, practicing Jewish people, even today, still recite pretty regularly as a part of their uh, daily life. And it says this, this is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Okay, so I'm actually going to preach on this passage many weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, more focused on uh, verse 4 than verse 5, but they, they're inseparable. They actually uh, are understood next to each other. Uh, but I really want to just dig into verse 5 for, for the purpose of trying to summarize worship for us. Or what does it look like to love God? And um, when you hear this, when you hear this idea of hear, O Israel, right? Does that simply mean hearing like just receive it in your ears? No, <laughs> it does not. <laughs> Sorry, you're waiting. James for me to knows that. that. You were waiting. For he me knows, to he knows that. the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think in the 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 conception of the the ancient world that they're talking about the hearing it would be like the a hearing would be a taking into oneself and and even probably include something of a responding to this yeah. reality right there's there's a moral dimension to yeah. this hearing think about like when uh, a dad says to his kids when they're arguing with their mother listen to your mother mm mm-hmm. mhm does he even, obviously it could be, or listen to your father. Do they mean by that simply just take in the words cognitively? <laughs> no. No. They mean obey your mother. Yeah. Obey your father, right? Right. It's that sort of uh, idea here of hear, O Israel. Like, you have to hear this in order to obey. There is no hearing in the biblical sense without disobedience. Yeah, it, that that's what it, even in throughout the Old Testament scriptures will have Israel in let's say exile or in you know in Egypt they'll they'll cry out to God in their distress and and a signal that everything's about to change is when it says the Lord heard their cries because mm-hmm. God when He hears it is a Yes. Taking responsibility yes. for uh, yeah Exodus three right that's exactly what happened right it says the the Lord heard their their moans or their cries, mm-hmm. you know, from say that was a, an ethical response to mm-hmm. hearing that. Yeah. Um, so, if this is a call to obey, this hearing, what is it that God is calling the people to obey specifically? So He grounds it all in love, right? Love the Lord your God, and then He gives you kind of three ways in which this is what it means to actually love the Lord your God uh, in these three ways or with these three things. Um, and in the, in the verse, it says, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all the, with all your might. Here, here's actually where Hebrew can be pretty helpful. So I think we have ideas of what that means um, in our head, in our context of what do you think about when you think about heart? What do you think about when you think about soul? What do you think of when you hear, when you hear the word might? I think we think of, when we think of heart, we think of something like emotions. Emotions are, yeah. Right? Not what's going on here. Right. So in, in the Hebrew language, the idea of the heart is really the center of the person. Mm-hmm. The, the decision-making... It's the, the will, really. It's, it's the inner person. Yeah. The inner person, the mind, the, the, the thing that is at the seat of all of your actions. Right. So your innermost person. So this is really cool to see, as you see in this verse, as it kind of works outward. So if this first part is love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's talking about the inner person, mm-hmm. the, the center of where all your decisions are made. 
Second. So it would be it would be not limited to emotions. It might include emotions, right? Sure. But it's inclusive as well of a broader interiority than that. It's like your yes. your your thoughts, your will, your um, your emotions. It's like that. the thing inside that yeah. controls everything outward. Right. Okay. So it starts at basically the center and core of you. Then it moves out to love the Lord your God with all your soul. Mm-hmm. Now again, we think of that as kind of. Uh, something distinct from the physical, the body, right? So the body versus the soul, which isn't necessarily an unbiblical idea. It's just not what's going on here. The idea of the soul here is really the whole person. Mm. So think about if it moved from the inner person or the seat of your decision-making, the seat of yourself, uh, the idea of soul here is almost like talking about your your whole being. Mm-hmm. So it moves out a layer of your body, your whole being, everything even that encapsulates who's who you are outside of just the center or inner interior person. Mm -hmm. So it takes that next step. And then it says, with all your might is how we're translating here. A wooden translation would be for the third part, with your veryness, veryness. It's a a superlative, if you know what that is in in language studies. It's like, uh, love the Lord your God with all your veryness. You're very, very. So like, it's the idea of to the utmost or, or everything outside of the two things that the verses already mentioned, mm-hmm. your your inner person, your whole being, really it's what it's getting at is that next layer of all your resources, mm-hmm. all the things that you have outside of that inner and outer person. So you, you see how the verse in Hebrew works from your center all the way to extends to everything you have. Mm-hmm. So w- what does that do for us? I think it it doesn't leave any part of who we are, what we have, outside of the realm of needing to be directed toward God in love and right. worship. It's, it's an all-encompassing verse. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it includes the entire personality as well as every dimension of your life. Yes. Being oriented in worship towards God, sort of a, a conscious supremacy of Him in all things and over all things, his <laughs> watchful eye over everything. And so you're living all of life before this holy God who's watching and who sees and who knows. And all. And so it's like, how do you, it, well, the, the burden or the responsibility it's putting on us, meaning, you know, to be responsible is simply to be able to respond to something. Mm-hmm. And so he's putting this burden or this the we have the ability to respond to all that god is by mm-hmm. living with a with an awareness of and a um, a sort of leaning into all that god is yeah. for us and so we prioritize him we take him seriously mm-hmm. in every aspect and dimension yeah. of our lives there's there's no Untouchable, yeah. So part of our lives that can't be directed towards worship. So you 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 frame that, and so you might look at two familiar passages in the New Testament that would sort of correspond to this in a way, and that would be like when Paul says in First uh, Corinthians, "Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all to the glory of God." Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Similar in, uh, imperative yeah. there that all of your life, yeah whether eating or drinking or whatever, like you do it all to the glory of God or in Romans 12, which I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago where, uh, he said, present your, your, yourselves, your, 
what is it? Uh, <laughs> present to your, uh, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For mm-hmm. this is your spiritual act of worship, right? Yeah. You're presenting your whole self and all of life to God as an offering to him. Yeah. So very similar ideas represented in, in Paul's writings to what yes. was written in Deuteronomy. Yes. So what I think is helpful about not only giving us an encompassing vision for like all of our life is love and worship towards God. And all of it, all that we have is supposed to be directed towards that end. Is it takes the idea of worship and love of God out of just the narrow confines of emotion or feeling and actually encourages us that obedience is love and worship towards God. Mm -hmm. I think that's, to me, that's really freeing. For I think for maybe even a lot of people who feel like they have a hard time with the emotional aspects of what worship is sometimes or mm-hmm. is presented to be or what lo- the idea of love is supposed to be towards mm-hmm. God. And, and there's, there's a real confidence here that, man, obeying God is an act of worship. Yeah. I mean, Jesus says really clearly in, in, in John 15 in that, uh, the, the upper room discourse, he mm-hmm. says that if you love me, you obey my, you'll commandments. Obey my commandments. Yeah. Right? So obedience to commands is the fruit of... Love. Yes. So if obedience is worship, if you apply that to all of these different inner person, whole person, resources, you can be confident that you you actually are engaging in worship of God yeah. when you are taking those spheres and submitting them to God and being obedient to Him in them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like I, I think appreciating the diversity of how God's wired each of us, is, mm-hmm. it's really helpful to know that, right? Because sometimes... Yeah. You, I mean, you can make two two mistakes in this. Let's say if you're a person who's kind of um, a little bit more um, uh, analytical, a little more thoughtful, kind of more in your head, and you don't get moved emotionally mm-hmm. in ways that maybe as easily or as obviously sure. as other people might, and um, mm-hmm. you're more reserved in your expression or mm-hmm. expressiveness of, of things. So, um, I mean, honestly, this is how you're wired, right? I would bit. say I would say sometimes. Yeah. So, Depends on the setting, but um, so you you are no less able to love very thoroughly and obediently mm-hmm. and worship God with that personality makeup as the person who's highly emotional, mm-hmm. who's easily moved, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and who who feels you know the the sort of surge of emotional uplift or connection mm-hmm. or, you know, even the, the, the sense of the subjective sense of God's personal love for them in a moment yep. or whatever. And maybe you're moved to tears often mm-hmm. in the context of, of corporate worship or something like that. And, and so it, n- neither of those personalities mm-hmm. is less able to fulfill this command. Yes. Yes. And one of those personalities doesn't have to take on the outward presentation of the other mm-hmm. to legitimately do the yeah. thing we're commanded to yeah. do. Because God has, he has things to say about both. He has his things about worshiping, like uh, having emotional response to him, mm-hmm. desire towards him uh, in those sorts of ways. And he has a lot to say about how simple obedience is an act of worship. Uh, that sometimes you, you're actually miss, missing worship altogether if you don't have obedience, but right. you have feelings, right? So yeah. it's like we're trying to give a holistic picture of, man, 
there, you, I think a lot of times we don't think there's a lot of opportunities to worship God. Yeah. So for just to take this, like some of you, you you're like, man, your whole excitement about coming to corporate worship is the music and you want to sing and you want to hear song. And that's what you get excited about. And then others of you are like, you get through that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not, you're not there for that. You yeah. sort of are maybe even you're bored by it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the responsiveness of the one heart to come and eagerly engage in worship is worshipful. Mm-hmm. The willingness on your part, mm-hmm. even though your emotions aren't maybe drawn in that same way mm-hmm. or don't respond the same way to the, you know, whatever melody or the building of music or sure, whatever, sure. but your obedience to, to come and then to sing praises to God. Yes. And and you should sing, even mm-hmm. if you don't like it. Like, yes. we're commanded to sing. That's, yeah, so absolutely so you obey God in singing mm-hmm. and worshiping Him in that way, in that mm-hmm. form of expression, and you're both bringing your, yourselves in, in authentic, obedient, God-honoring worship mm-hmm. to do those things. Yeah. One is not more spiritual than the other. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, and I, and you can apply that to outside of Sunday Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I just I just want to honor the range of personalities that I think sometimes maybe we define ourselves out of certain aspects mm-hmm. of of spirituality or something like that based on how we're wired, or we think ourselves superior to others who are wired differently in certain yeah. ways. And, yeah. And rather than thinking one is greater than the other, I, I just want us to. I think it's an opportunity for us to honor. The, the range of giftings and personalities and mm-hmm. makeup that we all bring and to say, man, we're all like, God doesn't command us to this in Deuteronomy six in such a way that only certain personalities can really obey this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like yeah. we can all obey this. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So if, if really all of life is an opportunity to worship mm-hmm. um, with that in place, I just want to spend the podcast talking about a couple of environments that are, Ones we probably think about often or maybe we neglect to think about that are pretty pivotal in cultivating an awareness of worship um, outside of Sunday mornings. Um, The first one, which probably is one that some people don't think about at all. Maybe some people think about and they feel a little guilty when they think about it because it's not happening. Um, Or maybe you have found a good rhythm with this, but uh, I think of like, family worship mm-hmm. or worship with your spouse mm-hmm. um, or devotional worship time with whoever you live with. Maybe that's a roommate. Um, now, not everybody uh, lives with a roommate. Not everybody lives with a roommate that's a Christian. Uh, but I, I know a fair amount of people in our church that uh, live with someone who's also a Christian um, mm-hmm. and have some of the opportunity uh, to do some of these things that we define as quote-unquote family worship that would apply just as much to brothers and sisters uh, who are living together as Christians. Um, so this is a, I think this is probably one of the most difficult topics in terms of thinking about it, but then finding a way to implement it yeah. with consistency. I, yeah. I, I would say I would say there is... Some of our, uh, most of our best Christians, and I'm not talking about generation, I'm just talking about broadly, probably don't do this consistently. Like some of the people who we think are the most, like, this, this is probably one of the hardest things that we have lost or maybe never had mm-hmm. in our church culture um, broadly, or at least seen it really thrive. Why do you think that is? You're talking about within the home? Yeah, within the home. Whether that's with your spouse or whether that's with your family. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons for it. I think one of the easiest reasons is just um, you in homes. Um, I mean, there's a lot of distractions and a lot of responsibilities that you're contending with for real life. And then I think also because you see um, maybe the, the, the best and worst of each other, that can create awkwardness mm-hmm. sometimes. So, for example, there might be times where I intend to do, let's say, some sing a song or two and read scripture and pray with our younger kids or something like that before mm-hmm. bed. And, um, and, but in the getting ready for bed, there's like, they get fussy with each other. You get agitated. There's maybe some discipline involved or at least corrective conversations happening and you're all frustrated. And then, but you, then you just don't want to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the realities of life encroach on us in all kinds of ways um, to keep us from moments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I don't. I don't know. That that feels like a significant part of it. Yeah. Uh, so just to put this in perspective broadly, uh, a survey from Barna a couple years ago says eighty-five percent of parents with children under age thirteen believe they have the. This is Christian parents believe they have the primary responsibility for teaching their children about religious beliefs and spiritual matters. However, a majority of parents don't spend any time during a typical week discussing religious matters or studying religious materials with their children. Mm. Parents generally rely upon their church to do all of the religious training uh, their children will receive. Mm. So there's a broader trend of parents know this is important to this is not even just like structure. This is like having spiritual conversations with, with yeah. children, and yet it's it seems like such a thing across the board that's really tough. Yeah, um, to engage in. Yeah, I mean, I, and again, another. I think a, a a part of that is parents. Well, here, like, so here's a challenge that a lot of our parents have. Once you have children, like we went through seasons in our family as we developed where we were really, really consistent and faithful to do times of family worship multiple times a week uh, with, without fail uh, earlier on. And then you get to certain points in the development of your family where kids across various age <laughs> spectrums and the ways that you can do that meaningfully that connect with all everybody are very limited and mm-hmm. it becomes a real challenge to keep everybody interested or engaged. And then yep. as well, when you get, when kids get older, you start to have more evening activities and extracurriculars and things that buy for your time. And so, so then you just get out of rhythms and stuff like that. And so I think those are the kinds of things that, that at practical levels just present challenges for us. And so it's easier to mail it in and just be like, ah, I just can't do this. Like, I don't know. And, um, and it, yeah. Which is tragic. Yeah. But real. So m- even before trying to think through, okay, if, we're, if you're going to do something like this, what, what could it look like? I just want to encourage everybody and inspire them to, to just try. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah. I, think, I think before even talking about what even nuts and bolts would look like, which is a super broad conversation, mm-hmm. is just the inspiration to do it. And um, I th- this resonated. I think a lot of people feel this, particularly probably fathers. Uh, Donald Whitney has a he's a guy who's written a lot on spiritual disciplines. He's at Southern Seminary, and uh, 
guys, if you're listening, looking for things on spiritual disciplines, he's a great book on spiritual disciplines. You can look it up. You could use that for your for your cohort if you wanted. But um, he also has this a book on family worship, and he says that uh, uh, one of the single most uh, really impactful reasons or reasons why uh, people don't uh, engage in family worship, or particularly men, why don't why they don't start this with their family, is uh, he says the truth is that they are ashamed to begin. Mm-hmm. What he means by that is you haven't done this for years mm-hmm. and you're all of a sudden going to try to implement this with your family. Yeah. And by doing that, you're already admitting you've dropped the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you've already admitted and you're, you're trying to kind of correct yeah, it. Yeah, there's a self-defeatist narrative that yes. you can kind of perpetuate in your own mind of like, I haven't done this, so there's failure. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to try to do it, but I'm going to inevitably drop this ball. So yes. I'm starting from failure, and I'm heading towards failure. Yes. Do I really want to try to have one good night in between? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, easier to to stay in this sort of failure that nobody's recognizing. <laughs> yeah. And you see this. Like, you you all of a sudden want to start doing this, and your family... So you've just decided, like, now you're into it. Now basically making us feel all guilty that we've got Mm -hmm. to get on it. And it's like you've become – now you're the police, you know. And uh, there's – to me, when I hear that stuff, there's some spiritual warfare. Oh, there's a ton of spiritual warfare. Absolute spiritual warfare going on. That's – there's not – I can't think of a lot more tangible, like, examples of what it looks like to have an accuser in the enemy. Well, yeah, I mean, that thought pattern I'm just talking about of, like, feeling like a failure and heading towards inevitable failure, there is very likely an intelligent evil behind that, whispering, accusing thoughts of, come on, we know how, you you know how this ends. I know how this ends. Let's give up the charade before we start it. <laughs> like, that yeah. that kind of way of thinking can really, um, can really take over. Um, and so, I well, yeah, go ahead. What's your next? Well, so... Whitney in his book on family worship dealing with this, he he pointed out what I thought was a really helpful example of of Jacob and thinking about the life of Jacob. You think about a guy who had a lot of times where he let his family down for years and years and years, right? He did a lot of crazy stuff. (laughs) His family had a lot of opportunity to say, you've dropped the ball in a lot of ways. And he points to this passage in Genesis 35 uh, where he he identifies Jacob attempting to have the resolve to turn the other direction. This is Genesis 35. Uh, two through three, it says, So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to, up to Bethel, so that I might make there an altar to God, who answers me in the day of my distress, and has been me with, been with me wherever I have gone. And so Whitney says from that, Like Jacob, stand up with the manly resolve to tell your family that you want to make an altar to God in your home. That is, you want to, t- to make your home a place of worship to God. Exhort your family to put away anything, such as TV, Internet, etc., that would keep them from worshiping God with you and to arise and follow you as you lead them in worshiping God. Yeah, I was about to say, that's the equivalent of just saying, hey, turn that off, go get ready for bed, come back down here. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing a song or two, we're going to read the Bible, and we're yeah. going to pray. <laughs> and, and, and Jacob is the guy that we're talking about in terms yeah. of, like, his family is like, are you serious? Like, yeah do you know all of you've brought us through and what you've done, what you've let us do. And like, yeah. you know, it's like, that's a tangible example of, right. 
uh, an imperfect leader of his yeah, own. Yeah, and if, I mean, for all of us, like, we walk with God through repentance and faith. What that is right there is an act of repentance. Yes. Per- putting these things away, turning these things off, going to Bethel to worship mm-hmm. God, like, using, you know. All it's an act of faith as well. Yeah. We're going to repent because we believe that God responds to this repentance. Yeah. And we can make a turn, and God will actually hear us in that. Yeah. We can make an altar in our home. We can make a, a place where God hears us. Yeah. It's good uh, through this through this example. I thought it was really helpful. Yeah, and I mean the biggest thing I would just say is if you've never done this ever in your life and you're even having a hard time imagining it, honestly, start with the most simple thing. We're not talking about now you got to put together a church service in your home. What we're talking about is um, do something like this. Uh, pull up on either your phone or on YouTube or something like that one worship song that the whole family can sing. And use the same song for like a week. So you don't have to like change it. Like make sure everybody learns it, knows it, can sing it. So you take something like, uh, I don't know, 10,000 reasons. Bless the Lord on my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, uh, and, uh, and you sing that song mm-hmm. together each night. And you read or have somebody in the family read from either, if you have young children, maybe a children's Bible. Or if you've got maybe older children that can understand, maybe one of them read. They read a passage of scripture. Maybe you pull out one thing from it. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, I just want us to see this. And then you pray together as a family. Yeah. Like, that's it. We're talking about 10, to 10 minutes? Yes. 12 minutes? Yes. We're, like, done. Yes. If you do it for 30 minutes, they will resist mm-hmm. you. If you do it for, like, 10 minutes, they'll be mm-hmm. like, cool, can we do that again tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. And just thinking about how that, okay, 10 minutes, let's say you did that three to five times a week. Mm-hmm. Add those 10 minutes up over a year. Mm-hmm. How many hours your family would be in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Like, together. <laughs> yeah, if you did that three times a week, that's a half hour a week. That's 26 hours in a year yeah. that you've spent as a family deliberately worshiping. Mm-hmm. Like, Now, I say all this as somebody who has succeeded in seasons much earlier in our marriage and who, frankly, right now, as it stands, like, lead pastor of your church... I'm failing in this presently. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't come at this from a position of like hey crushing it here. Yeah. I come at it from a man this comes in waves and fits and starts and we're actually at a prime time we've been uh, we we've been <laughs> kind of false starting back into this pattern more recently because our our girls are at a really good age for this actually. They actually really enjoy it and yeah. and all that. We had a, a a long time where we did this with our boys when they were younger and as they got, got older like I said there's lots of competing forces. And, uh, man, I didn't do great at keeping us on track there. I, mm-hmm. I, I did terrible at it, frankly. And so um, so this is me saying to you, I've messed up here. So if you've messed up, um, welcome. Mm-hmm. And let's try to do better. Let's try, let's, let's try to start experimenting this with, with this one time this week. Yeah. And, I, and so you think about the example of Jacob. He didn't, he didn't just say, all right, I'm going to go do this thing. He said, no, we have to fix some things first. Mm-hmm. He was honest about where they were at. Yeah. They need to put away some idols. Yeah. They need to clean their garments. Like, mm-hmm. he was taking responsibility in some ways for that. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most helpful things is to tell, like, if you've dropped the ball, to when you sit down and try to restart this or start this for the first time, maybe, to explain to your family, hey, I dropped the ball on this and I'm trying to, trying to fix, like, instead of just brushing over, we've never done this before. Yeah. Like, explaining, hey, you know, there is nothing more impactful in, in family worship to your kids than to show them the process of you repenting and turning in faith. Amen. 
Like, yeah. that is more powerful than you just brushing that under the rug and getting to the scripture reading. Like, actually, your kids seeing you experience yeah. the life of repentance and faith with God mm-hmm. is so impactful for seeing what it actually means to be a Christian when they become one or are, are, or are one in early stages. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be a prime first step yep. in family worship. Um, yeah, and in terms of like what to read, like if you're not reading a children's Bible, if your if your kids are a little older, just just read from the real Bible. Read read uh, one, not even a whole chapter necessarily. Read read a story, like just pick up one of the Gospels and start reading through mm-hmm. it night by night. Um, you know, one section at a time. Yeah. Or even if you wanted to pick up the narrative in Genesis or something like that, like just maybe find stories that you think they would find interesting and yeah. and go through just little portions of them yeah. and then kind of yeah. help them get it. Yeah. Okay, but so before we move on, uh, you know me, I can't resist when I find a good story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I lo- I love finding inspiring stories. I don't know why I, I I'm bent that way. Um and I read this story about uh one man's example of family worship and it really it was just inspiring. It was like this is this is the legacy, the kind of legacy that I, I would want to build. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the, the legacy of an astronaut, um, a guy named Rick Husband. He was on the, uh, the Columbia Space Shuttle um, that was killed, you know, when it broke apart. This was over Texas. 2003, the Space Shuttle went up, and it actually, uh, uh, there was a, a tragedy. And uh, this man, his name Rick's Rick's, his actual name is Husband, which is interesting. <laughs> so Rick Husband... He was one of those astronauts that died on that space shuttle. And um, he was a Christian, had a Christian family. He went to Grace Community Church in Houston. Um, and at the service, a video was played where the husband, or I keep saying that, when I, when I read it, it's, it's actually Rick. So Rick had this video that he had made uh, that before obviously dying. And it said, if I ended up at the end of my life having been an astronaut, but having sacrificed my family along the way or living my life in a way that didn't glorify God, then I would look back on it with great regret. Having become an astronaut would not really have mattered all that much. And I finally came to realize that what really meant the most to me was trying, was to try and live my life the way God wanted me to and to try and be a good husband to Evelyn and to be a good father to my children. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so a week prior to leaving for the flight, uh, Rick turned to his wife, and uh, she tells us this, and said, I want to make a videotape for Laura, that's his daughter, and one for Matthew, that's his son, that they can watch each day while I'm in orbit. I want the children to know how much I love them and that I'll be thinking about them every day. So at the beginning of the, at the tape that he made, he left uh, with his seven-year-old son, Uh, This is what he says to his son. Hi, Matthew. I wanted to tell you how much I love you, and I wanted to make this tape for you so that you and I could have a devotional time for every day that I'm in space. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at your devotional book, and I'm starting on the 16th of January, which is our launch day. And what I will do is read through this book and read the Bible verse also and go through the whole thing just like you and I sitting here on the couch together. I just wanted to do this because I love you so much, and I'm going to do one for your sister as well. So he had 18 days of those, uh, and obviously he, he passed away. He didn't know that that was going to happen. Mm. Can you imagine how precious yeah, that's amazing. those 18 videos are to his son and his mm. daughter he did separately? Um, that's the kind of legacy, yeah. right, of family worship yeah, and I think that you think about. I, I, 
I think, too, just to sort of fill out the picture of this, there's no reason that, let's say you live, let's say you're an unmarried man and you live with one or two roommates or vice versa, you know, mm-hmm. you're a girl, a woman who lives with a couple of roommates, if, especially if they're Christians, right? Who would have the courage within your house to set this standard and go, hey, I would love to ask all of us to one night a week to maybe 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 you're able to have dinner together one night a week mm-hmm. or something and just plan on that and then go and I just want us to sing a couple songs and pray or do something there to sort of together as a community in your home worship the Lord together yeah right like that takes a little bit of guts it's vulnerable to put yourself out there like that because it might feel silly and lame and a little forced or something like that but um, man, I would encourage some of you guys to think about that. Like, if you have a roommate situation where that that's doable, um, yes, incorporate. Yeah, that. I, I, I think that would be. This is not limited to families with young biological, children. Biological. This is like spiritual that. families yeah. as well. If you're sure. living with um, a brother and sister, yeah. Um, I think this applies again to to husband and wife. We have a lot of people mm-hmm. in our church who are in young marriages. Yeah. There is no better time to make this a habit of your life. Yeah. right now yeah like there's no better time to not like to do a lot of things that will set principles in your life things yeah. like giving things like uh, uh, coming and serving at a church you see a lot of people if they don't root those early they're really hard to reverse right and something like praying together worshiping together mm-hmm. being able to read the Bible with each other and not be awkward mm-hmm. like these are formative things not just for you now but mm-hmm. when you have children, you think yeah. it's going to be easier to start when you have children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, there's just so much opportunity to set principles in those early stages yeah. than trying to refit them into what you've made habits of your life later on um, that I think are really, really important. So it's good. a couple uh, resources here. We actually have a family discipleship or a family worship page under our resources that Jadrison put together. On the app. Yeah, on the app. On the app, go to the resources tab, mm-hmm. and under that resources tab, there is another tab for family discipleship, I think. Yes, I think is that that's what it's called. And there's a number of resources there there's, to help you do some of this. There's both content for like helping you think through family discipleships, like podcasts you could listen to to help get some ideas or mm-hmm. think through that. There's uh, books to do just for kids. There's uh, resources that would be actually for family worship. Like one yeah. of them is there's this family worship Bible that has basically a story, a Bible passage and a, and a pericope or a, or a little lesson for every chapter of the Bible hmm. um, that you could jump into. That's just a wonderful resource. I, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I, another thing uh, you didn't mention, uh, but I know you've done with your girls sometimes, is the New City Catechism. Yep. Maybe explain that a little bit. Yeah, New City Catechism is sort of a... Uh, a synthesizing of a couple of um, older historic confessions. Uh, I'm trying to think which ones is it. It's Heidelberg, the Heidelberg and Westminster. Westminster. Uh, so and it, and it it has both an adult version and a kid version. So mm-hmm. it has uh, you can you can do either one. But it's it's in the in the form of questions and answers that you recite, um, and then each but each each question that you ask. So it begins with. Um, uh, what's the first question? What's the um, <laughs> chief end of man? Yeah, it's like uh, they don't frame it quite that way, but 
It's something like that. Um, it's working through systematic you can theology see it's questions. Been a, it's been right? a long time since I've done it, actually. So it's like it's working through. Okay, who is God? Yeah. What is the Trinity? Right. What? Who is Jesus and what He's done for us? So like taking. Who is God? The Creator of everyone and everything. Yeah, it, it, it's synthesizing <laughs> and helping like uh, your kids have a your working f- knowledge and an engagement with doctrines. So if yeah. you think of, if if you thought about generation statement of faith, if you're a member of church, you've seen it. You see it on our website. It's like it's taking a lot of those first concern mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. And putting them in a form that little children can... How and why did God create us? Yeah. Is, is that the, I think that might be the question. So it's, bo- it's both helpful for like just getting them the knowledge, but also great jumping off points for conversations if you wanted to have uh, right. with your Yeah, so on, the way the app works, though, is you have the question, you have the answer, and that's done in that sort of call-response form. But they have a, a passage of Scripture that goes with each one, a song that goes with mm-hmm. each one for children, um, and then some quotes from... Uh, from theologians around that mm-hmm. question and answer, kind of those ideas. So it, it's like a, it, I mean, it's a built-in devotional that you could walk through with your family. Yes, yes. Um, so. uh, free? Yeah. Yeah, all 100%. free. All right, yeah. so if you just, just search, look at our New City Catechism. New City Catechism. Yeah, yeah. It's super helpful. Great option. And then this would be more geared probably towards the adults, but could be used with families as well as uh, I put out a corporate devotion every week now. Uh, for the church, for some environments that we're using, you can find it on the resource tab, and uh, it's you'll have a healthy dose of scripture there, some prayer, some intentional prayer that we need, that we're asking in our church. It's all there each week. Members to pray for our weekly mm-hmm. prayer focus. Uh, that's the kind of thing that me and Natalie do together, and um, uh, I find it to be helpful in terms of. Giving uh, some structure. Man, and whoever's leading this, you don't have to feel like you have to come in and like have a sermon prepared if you're doing family worship. Yeah. I, in fact, if you do that, you'll lose your family. Yeah. You'll lose your family. As, as a pastor, preacher, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, yeah. that doesn't work. Yes. Like, I, and, I mean, and it can be exhausting. Yeah. So what you don't want to do is feel like you have to have the pressure to come in and be your 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 family's preacher. Yeah. I mean, and as in uh, many things in life, but maybe as much as in anything else. Keep it simple. Yeah. Last, this is a more creative idea. I actually thought this was pretty cool. This would not be an everyday thing. This would be more of a, honestly, a once a year thing, but uh, that I just thought was interesting. Uh, trying to find ways to m- memorialize God's grace in your life. And one, one example I read was uh, having a, let's say somebody in your family, but maybe it's grandma, maybe it's, maybe it's you. Uh, have, you have a spiritual birthday, like when you were converted. Mm. And maybe God did something powerful in your life and having a celebration to commemorate that every year. Mm. Um, you know, hey, this was the year that... Commemorating your new birth and as much as you yeah. would your natural birth. Everybody comes around and you have a, you have a kind of a celebration, almost mm-hmm. like a birthday party, but with right. some spiritual elements. Um, right. That's, I think, it's a really cool idea, um, yeah. especially if you have uh, people that could gather around and do something like that. I mean, yeah. again, that's just a creative idea of how do we make worship intentional in our lives yeah and i mean at the personal level too just more are you like personal private kind of thing are we are you yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah we can go right into um, so i mean i think there's the the normal stuff we all know of and think of right there is your participation in you know different aspects of church life and so forth but when it comes to like your just daily engagement with the lord mm-hmm. um again i think depending on where you're at with that um, keeping it really simple is the is the best way forward. Being intentional, but keeping it simple. So, if you're starting from man, I really struggle to have consistent devotional time. Well, make it your aim to have a daily devotional time, and mm-hmm. just try to keep it to 
10 minutes, you know, um, initially. Um, maybe you grow into more than that, but read some scripture. Maybe you use journaling as a way to mm-hmm. write prayers out, or uh, maybe start with something simple like a thankfulness journal. Mm-hmm. Like, what's just three things today that you're thankful for to start each day or to thankful end each to day? God for. Yeah. That orient your heart that way. Um, maybe you take one scripture and you just focus on that one scripture for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And so you read it on day one and then, you know, you, you read through it each day and you kind of mm-hmm. get different things out of it. And um, I mean, there's different ways to try to do that. But again, I'm just trying to encourage you, do something, keep it simple. You want to build success into your life in terms of consistency in these things. Like there's yeah. much more you can do than that. Yeah. But I'm talking about if you're starting from nowhere. Yeah. Um, you don't want to set yourself up for failure by going like when I was growing up, my, uh, I was homeschooled and, and on our schedule and we were, you know, personal ordering devotion. life, personal devote, quiet time. <laughs> the quiet time was on there quiet and time. it was a 30 or 45 minute time. Well, uh-huh. when you're 12, <laughs> trying to spend 30 minutes with God <laughs> was difficult to say the least. And so oftentimes I would spend maybe a few moments with God and several more moments curled up on my bed, catching up on some rest. <laughs> and so, I mean, 30 minutes is a long time for a 12-year-old kid. It's a long time for an adult who's not used to it. So I'm just, it's just hard to go, look, five minutes with God counts. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like there's a, God doesn't have a 30-minute threshold where it's like, if you'll squeeze, like, if you can only do, if, unless you get that long, it doesn't count. And yeah. He doesn't want any part of it. Yeah. it this is more about an orientation of the heart and the mind and the mm. will toward God. Like it's to focus you God word. Yeah. And then you carry that beyond that moment into whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. work, school, parenting, um, service of some kind, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what is personal worship? Like, how do you think about that? What does that look like for you? I think this is such a broad topic that yeah, I, sure. I, I don't necessarily have a lot of fine points on because I think it's there is a lot no, of I think for here. A, yeah, so for a lot of people, it might involve getting out in nature, mm-hmm. taking a walk, uh, enjoying the fresh air. Um, I, more recently, um, so historically, critical for me to enter into consistent devotional worship is I need an open Bible and an open journal and my pen. Mm-hmm. And I need to be able to engage with Scripture kind of interactively. And, um, and that, is, that is the most fruitful, single, personal discipline I've had throughout most of my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found I have had that. There's been a lot of barriers to that recently, and I won't get into all that. But what I will say is I'm having to re-evaluate and explore other things. So, like, one thing I'm trying to do now a lot of is, um, yeah, well, okay, um, I try to do more of my walking with not listening to anything like podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. either worship music or silence where uh-huh. I can just pray. And I can kind of just talk with God as I'm walking and process life and pray for people in our church and yeah. things going on in our church and wrestle with things that are going on inside of me and pray for my family and for our city. That sometimes mm-hmm. it'll be, sometimes it'll be as I'm walking, I'll be praying for neighbors as I'm just walking by our house or the, the state of our community and so forth. Um, so that's a helpful way, uh, that I, I think is worship. Um, uh, sometimes I really think uh, a lot of times we have TV on as background noise in our homes. I think paying attention to what the background noise is is really important. 
um, and to change it from things like Fox News or Sports Center or even something like HGTV or whatever. YouTube. YouTube, one video to the next. Like it, I think if you can change the background noise of your life to to worship music, to to music that um, has a different spirit about it, so mm-hmm. that rather than getting worked up over the political mess around us, you're actually gaining confidence in God <laughs> rather than yeah. losing confidence in government. Like uh-huh. one of those is actually more constructive than the other. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think those kind of things are things that we've tried to pay attention to a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just creating an atmosphere maybe in our home that might have something more of um, a, a, a Godward orientation, something that's a little more peaceful. <laughs> Uh, and so forth. Um, what about you? I mean, you talked about the devotions that you and Natalie do. Yeah, and I, I kind of use that format for myself personally, uh, where I'm having sort of a an orientation towards being called to worship through something like a psalm, and uh, then uh, praying that God would actually help me engage in worship, so kind of setting my heart toward. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, uh, this is why I like this structure. Like confession of sin mm-hmm. is like a big part for me of not just skipping over dealing with myself mm-hmm. in worship. Uh, That's a lot of when I when I interact with scripture through journaling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've talked about this before. I don't want to belabor the point, but it's I'm coming into that assuming the Word of God is going to correct my thoughts and my emotions and my Mm -hmm. attitudes and so forth. So I want to be very intentionally ordered as you're saying towards Mm -hmm. how is, what's this exposing in me? Not just what does this say about God? Yes. That, that, what does it say about how I should live? All those things. Yeah. What is this? But I want it to be specifically toward my own. I want it to be a corrective for me. Yeah. Cause I'm out of whack to varying degrees at any moment. (laughs) Yeah. So working through kind of those steps of repentance and faith through scripture yeah. and and uh, and some of those steps that I that are evident if you look at that corporate devotion is it just has been really helpful for uh, man I need the gospel every day yeah <laughs> and like I want to worship God through the gospel mm-hmm. every day uh, and then once I've kind of made made that progression one of the most healthy practices for me one of those formative practices of me have been really disciplining myself to pray through the Bible, Mm -hmm. to take the passages that I'm reading um, or engaging in in praying through them, Mm -hmm. using them as jumping off points for prayer, whether that be something to worship God because of the truth and glorious kind of uh, uh, truth of this passage Mm -hmm. or something that's convicting about this passage. Yeah. Uh, Like that... To me, there's no more power punch, punch experience than being able to combine uh, praying to God and praying the Word of God itself uh, back to God. Is just yeah. uh, that's a really been a really big formative practice for me, particularly using the Psalms to do that, letting the Psalms shape my prayer, mm-hmm. because that's what you're doing. You're letting the Bible shape your prayer. Yeah, uh, which uh, I, I love. I'm not saying you have to do that, but. 
there's a lot of benefits to letting the Bible shape your prayer yeah. and, and just engaging with Bible in a way that's not just simply information gathering or an educational experience, but actually a devotional experience of these words you're putting into your mouth to pray back to God. Yeah. So, th- so yesterday, what I did for my devotional was in the morning is I took the, the passage that was preached uh, on Sunday, Isaiah 58, and I prayed through all of uh, the sections that were convicting me. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I used that as jump, okay, this is what this is saying, Lord, help me do, and then kind of working through where are the areas that I really wanted God to work with me yeah. through that passage. So it's taking what was corporate worship and placing it in the, in the, in the realm of private worship and yeah. kind of double soaking in some ways in the word of God that was preached on Sunday. Yeah, yeah that's good. I mean, I, so some of these things are more obviously looking like <laughs> that. May, maybe these take the forms of piety or something, the things that we're talking about here. I think worship, again, because of the category, the comprehensiveness of how we were mm-hmm. introducing it today, I think recognizing, um, okay, so here's a couple things that I've had happen in the last couple of days um, that I think have to do with worship and maybe not obviously. Um, we had twins that turned 18 last week. We had a birthday party for them on Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, we just blew up a whole bunch of balloons that were just littering the, the main floor of the house. Like, uh-huh. And so they're getting kicked around throughout the day or whatever. So those balloons are still around our living room right now. Um, well, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. What do you think they want to do with the balloons? Pop them. No. They Draw play, on them. They want to play keepy-uppy. Oh, okay. Keep- Got to keepy-uppy. You know I, didn't know, I didn't know the technical oh, terminology. Keepy uppy <laughs> is a it's a it's a it's a pastime. Okay. Uh, so, McLean, two mornings in a row, she's mm-hmm. ready for school. Other yeah. people are still getting ready. I'm in the kind of kitchen living room area, uh-huh. and she's like, "Daddy, let's play keepy uppy." Daddy, let's play keepy uppy. Uh-huh. And at now at six fifty five in the morning, how excited am I about playing keepy uppy? Mm. Not at all. You weren't very uppy. I wasn't very uppy. <laughs> I was a downy. Okay. So, but there's a conscious choice that I made, convicted by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and responding to God of going, man, two to three minutes of engagement in this way with my precious little girl goes a million miles with her. Mm-hmm. And it costs me almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to, to impart the heart of God who loves and delights in her for me to take a moment and actively respond to her and to love her and delight with her by laughing and playing like Mm -hmm. play with my daughter can be worship. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I like, I like, I don't want us to think of worship as these lofty ethereal things only that Mm -hmm. we do. Right. Mm -hmm. It can happen in this engagement where, where I'm, I'm sort of, not, I'm not, I wasn't in a bad mood. I just am still kind of like, like it's early. I'm getting things ready. We're packing lunches. We're getting kids dressed. We're trying to, you know, you're staying on them, all that stuff. And in the middle of all that, to step back and play a little game where we end up laughing, not only was that responsive to her, not only am I, I think, responding to the spirit prompting me to just say yes, even though I don't want to do it, Mm -hmm. what does it end up doing for me? Well, I'm genuinely laughing. Mm -hmm. I'm genuinely having fun. I'm genuinely enjoying my daughter for a couple of quick moments before she goes off for the day to school. And that's not insignificant, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially if you build enough moments like that over the course of 18 years growing up, that's not insignificant at all, right? 
So, so I don't want to just leave it in that realm for people of thinking it has to be, um, of like inaccessible things or things sure. where you have to be, um, just the personal private. So that, mm-hmm. I think that can be an act of work. Another thing would be that as life is happening and you find yourself, we were talking about confession a second ago. Mm-hmm. So rather than waiting till tomorrow for your next devotional time to work through your own <laughs> sin or whatever, when whenever you're in a bad mood, whenever you find yourself agitated with your spouse or mm-hmm. your kids or your coworker, or another student or your boss or your teacher, whatever, and you're having a bad attitude and suddenly the spirit makes you aware of it, you have an opportunity right then and there that you're, you're tempted to sin by holding on to your pride and your arrogance or whatever, or you have an opportunity to worship, Mm -hmm. meaning to swallow your pride, Mm -hmm. to put that to death, and to actually soften yourself towards this other person that you're irritated with. I.e. obey. Yeah. To turn in the moment, not later after you regret having not turned or whatever, Mm -hmm. after you've wasted several hours of crankiness or whatever. So recognize that any time that you become aware that your attitude is drifting, Yes. Anytime you're aware that your heart is hardening, anytime mm-hmm. you're aware that you're being asked or expected to do something that you don't want to do, mm-hmm. those are opportunities to worship. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about that. Some of the sweetest moments of personal worship I think I've ever had have been when I, I had faced a temptation and I prayed and and I resisted that temptation. Yeah. And afterwards the enjoyment and the worship of God. Thank you that you held me back from that. Thank you right. that I, I didn't give in to that. Yeah. Like some of those moments of seeing the spirit work in your life mm-hmm. in obedience sweetens worship towards God because not just because, yeah, he helped you do it, now you worship him, but that was actually an act of worship itself. Mm-hmm. The obedience was the worship and it produced joy in God. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, I think recognizing that, that sometimes the things we pull ourselves back from, sometimes the laughter of things of entering, entering into play and mm-hmm. enjoyment of life and the people around us, these can be spiritually attuned moments of obedience to God that lead us to worship of God and lead yeah. us to a lightening of our own spirit mm-hmm. because we responded to him. And they're not, they're not unspiritual moments, right? The spiritual isn't contained or, or restricted to the, 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 the most or only the pious looking things. Yeah. And make, being intentional about identifying the good gift that was, mm-hmm. right? So I'm thinking about in, in a family setting, you just had a wonderful day with your family. You did some, maybe you did it on vacation, or maybe you went somewhere, and you had a, just a wonderful day with the family. Maybe n- nobody's head was chopped off, like <laughs> nobody's mad. Like it was just a good day. Yeah. Stopping your family before after everybody comes in the house, gets out of the car before everybody goes off. Hey, let's just stop and thank God and like let me just say a prayer. Thank God that we had a great day. Look at yeah. the thing He provided us with the money to do this thing. We all were in the car together. Like we all enjoyed each other. Like mom and dad love each other. Like. Stopping and intentionally saying, let's stop and pray and thank God about that offering. Yeah. Like, that's a wonderful way to take mm-hmm. the good gifts that we're talking about and making not only ourselves, but those who are responsible for leading aware that these don't just happen. Right. <laughs> like, right, right, we're right. Not, we didn't create these good gifts, they don't come from the universe. Like, God gave us these <laughs> things. Yeah. Right. I think that's really important. 
Yeah. Um, so cool. you want to stop there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Because, I because again, there's an endless... Sure. There's endless direction. I, yeah. I, I hope we at least are touching on a range of ways that you can consciously worship each and every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one is obviously mealtimes and eating and mm-hmm. giving God thanks for that. Like, I think in some places it's become, you know, less common that we just do the simple thing of praying over our meals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but recognizing God's provision and taking those moments to orient our hearts towards God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... Worship is for everyday life, not just for Sunday mornings, not just for a couple of hours in that space. And it's not just for the uh, the private quiet before the storm of six in the morning when you have a cup of coffee and your open Bible and open mm-hmm. journal. And then once kids start waking up, it's it's no longer worship. Now it's time to get things done, <laughs> right? Like yeah. um, it encompasses every day, all day, every activity, um, your work, how you go about that, your engagement with your Coworkers, your mm-hmm. uh, conversations with your neighbors, your uh, your exercise, your eating, your drinking, your um, your fellowship with people, mm-hmm. your private time, your you know all of that. And so, what we're trying to do, and what spirituality is partly about within the context of generations, as it relates to worship, is it's it's our opened awareness, our conscious engagement with God every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might look like a lot of the same things do a lot of the same things that other people are doing, but you're doing it with a different kind of orientation of, of your heart and mind. Yes. If you were stimulated by any of this content, if you have any questions, if there's, if there's any way we can help you with thinking through personal worship, family worship, you know, uh, how to, uh, try to build in some of these habits or disciplines um, in your life, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. Come talk to us at church. Uh, text us if you got our numbers. Uh, we would really love to make this conversation even more personal. You could send you could send uh, Caleb a message, a direct message on X. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could do that. It's probably not the maybe, best Maybe take channel. him out for a pimento cheese group, uh, Chick-fil-A sandwich. Or something like that. I haven't tasted it, so I don't know if I can worship (laughs) through that experience. All right. Okay, y'all. Thanks for listening. See you next week.